Welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. Welcome back to the UMMC podcast. We're so happy you've decided to give us a little bit of your time today. We will be continuing on in the book of Romans. I've got Christian again with me, and I'm really sobered by the passage that we will be getting into today. Before we start, I want to emphasize again, as a Christian, we must love all of God's Word. Some parts are very encouraging and uplifting. Some parts can cause a lot of deep thought and be exposing. Some of God's Word will literally get you canceled in today's culture. But as a Christian, we have to be faithful to speak all of His Word, because only His Word can save. Only His Word can give life. Only His Word can change a person. With that being said, let's get into today's reading. Christian, do you mind giving us a quick summary from last week? Yeah, um, thinking back to our fellowship and talking about the the dark background that is Romans 1, I I think I really appreciated that first we need to see that this is kind of the reality of the situation today. It's definitely not something I would like to focus on very much, but there needs to be some realization of the downward trend uh, of this age and that it is not, not everything is not okay. That kind of creates a, a background, a foundation for me personally, for I think for many people, okay, we, something needs to happen, right? We, we actually, we need a savior, right? And we do have a savior. There's good news. We're being saved. And I, I think that's, that's kind of a, a really practical application coming from Romans 1. Uh, not to dwell on that negative background, but uh, it definitely does have a place in providing us with this kind of a, a need, right? Need of, a need of salvation. Yeah, the take-home point last week isn't so much the bleak and dark situation of the world. The take-home point is we need a Savior. Romans 1 painted a really bleak and dark background. Sin was abound. Unrighteousness was everywhere. Our condition wasn't very positive. Our outlook wasn't great, to say the least. What are we going to do? How do we get out of it? Well, we need a Savior. We need salvation. However, Redemption and salvation really isn't mentioned until the end of Romans 3. There is still something to talk about before that in Romans 2 and the beginning of 3. And that's what we will be getting into today. You might ask, what's there left to say? We have a problem. We need a savior. What I would say is Paul here is showing us two main pitfalls that man can get into when they see all that darkness and sin. And let me frame it up in this way and ask two questions. What comes to mind when you hear the word self-righteous judgment? What about when you hear the word religion? 
What is your definition of religion? We'll be pulling a lot from the four Gospels today, and we will be jumping around, so I strongly encourage everyone to read all the passages to get the context. Also, I pray everyone take these matters to God and ask Him to show us His heart concerning these two things of self-righteous judgment and religion. Let's start here with this verse today. This is Romans chapter 2, verse 1. It says, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Now Christian, let's start here. When we see all the sin and injustice mentioned in Romans 1, it produces a response in us, right? Now in Romans 1, the people mentioned there just don't care. In fact, they might rejoice in all the sin and unrighteousness. But here in Romans 2, some people do see it as a problem. There is a response. Do you want to expound on this a little more? It's kind of like a very self-righteous response. You judge others with this knowledge instead of judging ourselves. And people get proud of how good they are, of how many bad things they're not doing. And that's kind of what I'm seeing here. Yes, I feel like this is pretty plain, but I want to emphasize this point. This is the pitfall for all men. Many times when you hear the word self-righteous or judgment, you instantly think of Christians and how they're always judging people and telling people they're wrong. But no, Paul here is talking about everyone. The world falls into the same pitfall, and you don't have to look far to see it. On social media, on the news, everyone is judging, right? Everyone is so offended by all the injustice and hate. So many people are judging and condemning it, not knowing that they themselves are literally becoming the exact thing they hate so much. And this is what Paul is saying. I think the root cause of this is in the fact that we think we can save ourselves. We don't need God. If we can just get rid of the evil in the world, we'll be okay. So we start judging and condemning what we think is evil. We condemn hate not knowing that we literally become very hateful. And then we try to justify ourselves, but really it's a cycle with no end. Lord, how much we need a savior. Let's keep moving, Christian, because I think this response is pretty straightforward to see. But the next is a little bit more subtle. We will now be reading Romans 2.23. This says, You who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. In 28 and 29. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. So let's make this distinction between the two groups in Romans 2. The first group judges people according to what they themselves think is right or wrong. The next, though, will judge people based on God's law. That's an upgrade, right? Let's make a system that is based on God to know what to do and what not to do. In a sense, let's make a religion. But Paul here points out that this is actually not the way either. This is actually a big point that we want to focus on today. I want to be clear and define these points before we go on. Christian, what do we mean when we talk about religion as defined here by Paul? Before I get to that, I I was really touched by this phrase at the end of that verse, whose praise is not from men, but from God. 
I feel like that's the source of a lot of like self-righteousness and being religious is it's, it's kind of a show to get praise from others. God is not even in the picture anymore. It's about, you know, me looking good and proper to the people around me and it has nothing to do with praise from God. So then that kind of leads me to kind of a definition of religion. What is, what is religion? Um, I think a working definition we can use is religion is worshiping God without God or trying to serve God without God, anything without God. And, and that just kind of, that just kind of harkens back to our, our fellowship of all the way back in Genesis where there's those two principles, right? There's, uh, the two principles between the, the, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, where one is dependent, dependence on God, and the other is an independence from God. And that independence from God is the source of uh, what we can call religion today. I hope that wasn't too much. <laughs> no, that's perfect, Christian. I like how you define it. Religion here, as mentioned by Paul, is doing the outward things that God says, but without God at all. I'll read that verse again in 28 and 29. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from man, but from God. Circumcision, for those who don't know, was a practice that was given to Abraham from God. This practice actually separated the Jews from everyone else. But Paul here is saying that just doing the outward part is not the point. The important part is the inward circumcision of the heart. To cut away the outward flesh is one thing, but to cut away a life of living in the flesh, that is, a living according to what you want, according to your sinful nature, to cut that away is the real point. Let's bring this back to this word religion. If you only have the outward form of godliness, but inwardly you're empty, then this is religion. This is serving God without God. And this actually is something that the Lord Jesus really condemned when he was on the earth. If you go back and read the four Gospels carefully, you will see that two groups of people were really responsible for the Lord's crucifixion. The first are the Romans. There were the ones that physically beat him and physically put him on the cross. That one is pretty easy to see. The second one was actually the Pharisees. They will be equivalent to, say, our church leaders today. They are the ones that are always studying the scriptures. They are the ones that are supposed to know about Messiah. They were the ones responsible for teaching God's word. Yet they were the ones that were crying out, crucify him. They had made God's word into a system. They had all of the outward godly practices, but the most important one, God himself, was not there. In fact, you could say their righteous system actually opposed God. And tying this back to Romans 2.29, they got praise from men, but not from God. This system of serving God without God is what Paul was uncovering here. And this is what we mean when we say religion. You know, going off what you last said, those people who knew the scriptures the most, that just became like a, a pride, you know, something they were, they're proud about. And all that was dead knowledge to them. And 
They had no relationship with God who was on the earth walking right in front of them. Yes, this actually reminds me of John chapter 5, verses 39 through 40, which says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Let me read it again, but in today's terms. You read the Bible because you think that in it you have eternal life, and it is this Bible that bears witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. I think many people read the Gospels and think, well, that's just them during Jesus' time. Surely we wouldn't do that if Jesus came today. To that, I would say this is exactly why Paul wrote Romans chapter 2 and 3. We can fall into this exact same pitfall. When we read our Bible, we tithe, we do every religious duty we're supposed to do, but we won't come to God to have life. We feel like as long as we're in the quote-unquote temple doing the quote-unquote lawful things, we're okay without ever having the insight that God actually is walking somewhere else. This is a huge point that we need to see. Do you want to add anything here, Christian? Well, it's all in us, this religiousness where we miss the Lord. We just miss the Lord. And I was just saying, you know, I there's this warning, right, that we need to be careful that we wouldn't lose sight of the Lord, even in our searching of the scriptures. Thank the Lord for, for Paul and for, for those who have opened the word to us that help recenter us on Christ. Amen. As a Christian, it's got to be about Christ. He's got to be first. And I think this verse also really puts into perspective what the law actually is for. Let's keep going on and read Romans 3.20. It says, For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The law's job isn't for us to keep, but it's actually there to expose us, to show us that we can't do it, to show us that we need a Savior. Looks like you have something to say, Christian. I want to pull out Romans 7.7. 7. This is still Paul talking about the law. He said, What then shall we say? Is the law sin? Absolutely not. But I did not know sin except through the law. For neither did I know coveting except the law had said, You shall not covet. That's very straightforward right there, right? Paul spends a whole book, the book of Galatians, fighting people who are going back to trying to fulfill the law. He's saying, you're, you're putting yourself under that bondage again, <laughs> that bondage of the law, and you're saved, uh, and you have freedom in Christ, right? So he mentions in Galatians that the law is a child conductor unto Christ. So we need the law when we're young children, we need it to safeguard us. We need it to, to teach us. We need the proper morals. We need, you know, I mean, let, let's bring it back very practical. We, we need rules and regulations as we're young, uh, especially young spiritually. But at some point, we need to be transferred from that realm and be conducted to Christ, right? I think I said this before, we need to be delivered from following a, a set of rules to having a relationship with a living person. 
right? Anyway, I, I just feel so many people, so many believers, they're just trying so hard all the time to fulfill the law, whatever that they may be, the, some specific law that they read in the Bible, some self-made laws, some laws given to them by their parents, by society, whatever. They're just stuck and bound. And then that's a really uncomfortable, very dissatisfying situation. And I really feel that we ourselves, we need to be delivered from being law keepers to being, being Jesus lovers, loving seekers. Wow, Christian, that is so good. And I feel like that is so much of our own experience. Let me unpack what you just said. The purpose of God's law is not so much for keeping, it is for exposing. It's for showing us that we can't do it. I'll give you an example. I think many Christians are very familiar with Matthew 5-7, through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, right? In Matthew 5.21, and I'm paraphrasing this, the Lord said, you have heard that you shouldn't murder, but I tell you, anyone who's mad at his brother is already liable for judgment. It's like the Lord uplifted the standard of the law there. If we couldn't even keep the first version, how in the world can we keep the uplifted version? Yes, you can't keep it. That's the point. It exposes us of our shortcoming. There is no pride where we can tell God, look, I kept it. I'm okay now. No. Instead of the law making us religious, the law makes us desperate. We can't save ourselves. Even with our best effort, even in our trying our hardest to do the right thing, we need God. Some people might say, it sounds like you're promoting the Wild West out here, where there is no law and anything goes. No, of course not. But let me put it to you like this. If you spend enough time with the Lord, fellowshipping with God, letting Christ grow in your heart, you won't need anyone to tell you not to steal. The Lord in your heart won't let you steal. You won't need anyone to tell you not to lie. The Lord in your heart won't let you lie. And this is so freeing. Instead of struggling so hard in your natural strength to not lie, you turn to Jesus. You let him grow. Then he supplies you not to lie. Outwardly, you might not be lying. But inwardly, one way causes us to struggle so hard, burning out. The other way causes us to be supplied by God, to be filled with God. This is a salvation we need right now. I just want to add um, a short portion from Luke 7. Um, your speaking reminded me of you know, our, our response, seeing our condition and our need for a Savior. In Luke 7, there's kind of three parties. There's the Pharisee, there's the Lord Jesus, and there's a sinful, adulterous woman. And this sinful woman comes and anoints the Lord's feet and washes his feet with her hair, showing how much she loves him. And afterwards, the Pharisee, he tells the Lord, like, if you knew what kind of woman this was, like, you wouldn't be letting her wash your feet. And... The Lord's response is, you know, from the moment I stepped into your house, you didn't even do anything to care for me. But this woman uh, has not stopped washing my feet with her hair and her tears and showing how much she loved me. 
And, uh, and he, he concludes with, uh, to whom little is forgiven, he loves little. But because her sins, which are many, are forgiven, she loved much. So I, I think this, going back to what we've been talking about, when we are exposed and we realize, you know, our sinful condition, it really causes us to love the Lord more and appreciate him more for what he's done for us. And I think that that kind of helps us not to have such a religious relationship with the Lord or be such a religious Christian where all of our Christian life, all of our Christian service is just a, oh, I'm supposed to do that. And, you know, I, that's the Christian thing to do kind of, kind of attitude. I think that's a perfect story, Christian, to wrap up our podcast today. Our response after seeing the dark situation today could be that of self-righteous judgment. It could be that of keeping the law to try and save ourselves. But a third response is that of the sinful woman in Luke 7, that we are exposed by the law. We realize that we aren't righteous. We can't do it. We can't judge others because we are no better. We need a savior. We need salvation. This exposing causes us to love God so much, to have no confidence in our own ability anymore, but only depend on Him for literally everything. This reminds me of a brother named A.B. Simpson. Actually, the hymn we are playing at the end of today's pod was written by him. He was a great preacher in the 19th century. He even founded a huge missionary organization. But even doing all these wonderful things for God, he was burned out. He couldn't figure out why. He was doing God's work. Why then was he so burned out? Then he read Colossians 1.27 and realized that the hope is not the outward activity, but it's Christ in you. I want to read a quote that he wrote. If this precious little secret of Christ in you will help you, you may have it. May you make better use of it than I. I feel I have only begun to learn how well it works. Take it and go on working it out through time and eternity. Christ for all, grace for grace, from strength to strength, from glory to glory, from this time forth and even forevermore. What an awesome quote. It's not the outward activity that matters. If you're depending on your own strength, then you're stuck like in Romans 2. But if you're dependent on this awesome Christ in you, He's your everything. He's number one. Then you've got it. You've got the secret. He is your Savior, not just from eternal perdition. He is your daily, moment-by-moment Savior. This is so freeing. This is the whole gospel. This is what we mean by full salvation. And that's not all. There's still so much for our full salvation. I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. I don't want you to feel condemned or shamed, but I hope it turns your heart to God, causes you to open to Him, to cling to Him, I hope you guys have a wonderful week. And to our former M4 medical students, congrats on starting intern year. The Lord be with you all. Have a great week and see y'all next week. I sought for healing now himself alone oh.
Come. 